part of our family. No introduction, but we are so blessed this morning. I asked Pastor Josh to speak several weeks ago, and uh, he's just gifted. We're blessed. Amen. And I just want us to make him welcome as he comes to share with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? It is awesome. The uh, a couple weeks ago, I went golfing with a friend, and uh, he's, a, he's a close friend from high school. Funny story, he's actually a pilot. And uh, this same golf course, he was kicked off from driving the golf carts there. And he's an airplane pilot. So, uh, but yeah, we went golfing, and it was funny. We, uh, we were playing at Chesapeake Golf Course out off Cedar Road. And I think whoever designed that course it was their goal to cause you to hit as many houses as possible. They just parallel the, the fairways there. And my friend, he, he came up with the wonderful idea that we would uh, hit from the blue tees, which is the tournament tees, the furthest ones back where like the really good people play. And the, the challenge with that is the further back the tee box, the more opportunity for houses to hit. And so we're, we're on a par three, and there's a little lake right there, and I get up there confidently like I know what I'm doing, and I failed to mention in the first service that he hit before me, and his shot was so bad, he cleared the houses, like he hit it into the neighborhood. So I get up there, and confidently, you know, rear back, hit as hard as I can, and like if the hole's at the speaker, I hit the ball towards Fred, and nailed this house. I mean, I just nailed it, and I, you know, I was sitting there like, oh dear Lord, um, because they have signs everywhere, you know, you're responsible if you break something. Well, to top it off, the lady that owned the house was gardening. And the ball dropped right by where she was, like, you know, pruning some bushes. And we just kind of waited there for a second. And then we hear kind of this polite roar, I don't want to die today. <laughs> Come from that. And uh, my first thought was very Christ-like. I thought, well, you're the ding-dong that bought a house by the tee box. But uh, anyway, I didn't say that, thank the Lord. Uh, but I share that because I'm thankful for the grace of God, even on, when you're golfing, where you need a lot of grace. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Pastor John, he's been preaching an awesome series on getting out of the box, Amen. How many people know that the Christian life at its core is entirely out of the box? It's countercultural. It's, it's completely out of the box. This world says that if you want to live an abundant life, indulge yourself. Get as much as you can. Jesus said if you want to get life, die to yourself. The world says that if you want to exalt yourself, put yourself first. Jesus said if you want to exalt yourself, get real low. Be a servant. So Christianity at its core is completely out of the box. And today, we're continuing that series and we're talking about getting the gifts out of the box. And I want you to think of it like this. Every one of us, we're all gifted. And to get the gifts out of the box, what we're saying is we want to take the lid off the box so God can use us in ways we can't even imagine. So Romans chapter 12 and we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8. Apostle Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
And just to set this up a little bit, we're going to be talking about one certain set of gifts that we call the motivational gifts. These are the gifts that describe how God's wired us. They're our ministry DNA. And that's what we're talking about. And I think in this context, it's powerful that Paul begins this discussion of the gifts by saying, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Let's word it this way. Present your gifts as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ, I, I love this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Church, when we operate in the gift that God's given us, it's a means of grace. When you take communion, the presence of God, the presence of Christ is there. It's a means of grace for the church. When you get baptized, the presence of Christ is there. The Holy Spirit's there. It's a means of grace. It's an opportunity for the Lord to grace your life in a special way. Think of Jesus' baptism. When he was baptized, the Bible says the Holy Spirit himself descended like a dove. The presence of God was there, and the same thing happens when we operate in our gifts. The presence of God will abide as we obey what God's called us to do. So having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, let him teach. The one who exhorts, in their exhortation. The one who contributes, or the one who gives, your translation might say, let them do it in generosity. The one who leads, let them lead with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Everybody said amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you've gifted each and every one of us. And we thank you that we have the privilege of serving in partnership with you to carry out your plan of redemption on this world. May we receive something from your word this morning, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So Romans 12 is what we call the motivational gifts. Sorry guys, I know I just brought that close. The motivational gifts, and again, these are our ministry DNA. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gifts. You might have heard to it referred as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Those gifts are for church leadership and for building up the body. But today we're talking about motivational gifts, how God's wired us to function in the body of Christ. I want to share three principles for stewarding our gifts well. I think we could say it this way, three principles for taking our gifts out of the box and doing what God's called us to do. The first one is this, we must learn to identify our gifts. It's very simple, 
But it's going to be hard to do what God's called us to do if we don't know what He's called us to do and how He's wired us. Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I love this because I love the picture of the body of Christ. Paul says Christ is the head of the church, and then you get to participate in his body. You have a role to play. And as a part of your role, you're going to have one or multiple motivational gifts that we just read about, where God says, I've wired you this way so that you can edify the body and be a contributing member to the church of Christ. So we must first learn to identify our gifts. Well, what are the motivational gifts? We just read them. The first one is prophecy. Now, a lot of times when we think of prophecy, we think of large charts on the stage with pictures of revelation and all this stuff. And that's a part of it. But prophecy at its core is declaring truth. A prophet is somebody who speaks truth to a situation. Prophecy often gets at the motivation behind something. Think of the Old Testament prophets. What did they do? They spoke truth to power. And they got to the core. Moses operated in a prophetic role. He spoke truth to Pharaoh, and he got to Pharaoh's very heart, literally. The Bible says it hardened, Pharaoh hardened his heart. So prophecy declares truth. I'm reminded of a story where there was a gentleman in a large conference, true story. They were in a large conference, and they felt like the Lord had gave them a prophetic word. So they stood up in front of literally a lot of people, and they said, Thus saith the Lord, just as the Lord was with Noah when he crossed the Red Sea, so will he be with thee. Everybody knows if you say thee, it makes it sound more spiritual. So he sits down, his wife leans over to him, whispers something in his ear. He stands right back up and says, thus saith the Lord, I made a mistake. It was Moses, not Noah, that crossed the Red Sea. So sometimes when we have a prophetic word, let's make sure it's actually from God, amen? Prophecy is one of the gifts. Service is another one. Service is a gift from God. A lot of times we think the only gifts that God gives are the preacher, the, the missionary, something like that. But church, God's a much bigger God than that. He's much more creative than that. And service is actually a gift from God. Service is demonstrating love by serving to meet somebody else's need. Have you ever met somebody with the gift of service? They have an incredible ability to come alongside and see that the job gets done and they don't care what kind of job it is. They have the gift of service. We mentioned a while ago that prophecy proclaims truth. There's the gift of teaching, which clarifies truth. Teachers will often come behind a prophet, and they will clarify truth in such a way that they shed light on the meaning of words. Prophecy looks at motivation. Teaching looks at the meaning of words and what is something really about. There's the gift of exhortation. That's a gift. You might call it the gift of encouragement. I define encouragement as somebody's ability to inspire courage into somebody else. And the gift of exhortation is a gift from God. These people excel in making people feel edified and encouraging people to carry out the call of Christ. There's the gift of giving. This is a gift where somebody has resources in such a way that they're able to come alongside other people and help meet that need that they cannot meet in their own strength. It's a gift of giving. There's the gift of leadership. I think the simplest definition of leadership I ever heard. 
was leadership is influence. How many people know that if we're in a position of leadership but nobody's following, we're not really leading? It's influence. And leadership is a gift from God. And then the last one is mercy. Mercy is a gift. Aren't you thankful for the people with the gift of mercy when you're going through a hard time? You know, mercy is a very Christ-like gift. A lot of times I think people look at that and they're like, oh, that's down the list of priority, you know. But when you think about it, Jesus had the gift of mercy. The Bible says he saw the multitudes and he had compassion on them. Somebody with the gift of mercy has an incredible ability to come alongside somebody and bear their burden with them. It's a gift from God. The great preacher Robert Jeffress beautifully illustrates these gifts when he writes, Let's imagine a group of people are assembled in a room because they have decided to start a new church. They are discussing the question, what is the most important thing to have in the church? One person says, I think what we need is in-depth Bible studies. What gift does that person have? Probably teaching. Somebody else says, what we need are generous programs of financial assistance to missionaries and to other ministries. They probably have the gift of giving. Somebody else says, what we need are well-prepared sermons, exposing sin, proclaiming righteousness, and warning of judgment to come. Can anybody guess what that is? Prophecy. Somebody else says, what we need in our church is practical assistance to people in the church and to people who are hurting in the community. That's the gift of serving. Someone else says, we need to offer personal counsel and encouragement to members assisting them in implying Scripture to their daily lives, the gift of exhortation. Someone else says, what our church really needs is to be a smooth-running organization so that every aspect of the church will be carried out with precision and in order, the gift of leadership. Finally, somebody says, what we really need is special outreach and concern for the feelings of those who are hurting, the gift of mercy. Don't you see the beauty of the body of Christ? Folks, if we just had prophets, there'd be a lot of people with hurt feelings all the time. If you just have a pastor, they would drive you crazy because everything would be thus saith the Lord. But the beauty of the body of Christ is that we have all of these different gifts and therefore all the needs can be met. I love it. So how do we identify our gifts personally? We just mentioned Romans 12, what the gifts are, but how do we make it Bring it home to us. Well, I have a few questions for you. What are you good at doing? You see, a motivational gift in Romans 12, this is the way God's wired you. It's your ministry DNA. And a lot of time, your gift will follow something that He's equipped you to do well. What are you good at doing? A gift is something for which you have a special grace by God to excel in. Motivational gifts are often innate to who we are. And you see, God designed you to have these gifts so you do have a role to play in the body of Christ. What are you passionate about? God will often give us a burden for what he's called us to do. The Bible says he saw the multitudes and he had compassion for them. He had passion for them. He had the gift of mercy and he had a passion about reaching the lost. What are you passionate about? What ministry doors has the Lord opened to you in your life? I'm not talking vocational ministry. But if you have the gift of mercy, 
you're going to find that God's going to put a lot of people in your life who need some compassion. That's not by accident. It's the way he's wired you, and that's going to attract people who need that gift. What are your gifts? The first way we get our gifts out of the box is by simply identifying what it is. How has God wired me? Secondly, we have to cultivate our gifts. It's not enough just to know what my gift is. I have to be a faithful steward of it. I've got to get it out of the box and begin to cultivate it. Paul says in Romans 12, 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us exercise those gifts. Two ways to cultivate your gift this morning. First of all, cultivate your gift when nobody's looking. If you're like me, I a lot of times wait till I get to the destination, then I tell God I'm willing to sacrifice. But you see, the sacrifice comes in the preparation period. Cultivate your gift when you don't have a microphone. Cultivate your gift when you don't have a platform. That's when God can really do some special stuff in your life. Steward your time. We want to be faithful stewards of our time, and if we're truly going to cultivate our gift when no one's looking, we have to be good managers of our time. I love the Apostle Paul. He says, redeem the time. Buy it back. Somebody stole it from you or you gave it away. Take it back and take authority over your time. Maintain a posture of continual learning. Some of the things that's always amazed me about some of my professors, Pastor John included, is they're lifelong learners. They get the highest degree in their field and they never stop learning. That's incredible. And what it does is it positions them to cultivate their gift. They don't, they've never arrived. They say, I've got more. I want more from God. I'm reminded of a story of Billy Graham. Before he ever had a huge platform, the story goes that when he was a young boy or when he was a teenager, he would go out into the woods, my kind of guy, and he would preach to trees, to squirrels. You know, his church consisted of the pines, the oaks, you know. And he would preach to these people anything he could. And what he was doing was he was cultivating that teaching and preaching gift God had given him. And the story goes that there was a group of men fishing or doing something out there in the woods. And they saw him doing this. And do you think they, make f they made fun of him? Not at all. They saw the zeal that he had. And they said, this guy's on to something. And I propose to you this morning that because Billy Graham cultivated his gift when nobody was looking, God gave him a platform when everybody was looking. Now, I'm not saying that if we go out in the woods here, we're going to become the world's most famous evangelist. What I am saying is God is faithful. And he sees what you do in secret. And he will honor you for it. I promise. Cultivate your gift when you have no platform. T.D. Jakes once said, God is a slow cooking God. We like to get to the destination and then we'll pay the price. But he said, no, God's a slow cooking God. And like that beautiful piece of red meat that I would really like to have right now. It takes a while for that to get right temperature and to get right where you want it. But the end result is far worth the preparation process. Your gift is the same way. As you start to cultivate it, it'll take some time. But there will come a day when you'll be so grateful because the end result will be far greater than the preparation process. The second way we cultivate our gift is through a spirit of excellence. Church, we do not serve a mediocre God. And he does not settle for mediocrity. He won't, he won't honor it. Paul says in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily 
as for God and not for men. Don't do it to please somebody. Do it because you want to honor God. I was meeting with just a, 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 he's kind of like a mentor to me, a professor at Regent recently. And he challenged me on something. And he said, Josh, he just challenged me in an area. And he flat out read me my mail. I mean, he, he flat out corrected me on something. And he said, I need you to be stronger on this. And I left there edified. Go figure. I mean, he flat out corrected me, but I left there edified. And what he was doing is he was saying, Josh, don't settle for second best. There's more here. Give it your best. Do it in a spirit of excellence. And amazingly, because he has the gift of exhortation, I left there feeling encouraged, even though he just corrected me. That's how the gifts work. You see, there's a spirit of excellence for each gift. Paul identifies it in Romans 12. He says, if you prophesy, do it in proportion to your faith. In other words, believe God for really big things. And then speak truth in proportion to your faith. If you have the gift of service, truly serve people with the heart of Christ. Don't do it for selfish ambition. That's going to burn. Do it for the heart of Christ. If you have the gift of teaching, teach faithfully according to the Scriptures. Don't teach a half-hearted gospel and surely don't apologize for it. Preach the truth, but do it in love. If you have the gift of exhortation, build people up in the love of Christ. Edify them. If you have the gift of giving, find a need and fill it. If you have the gift of leadership, influence others with a level of zeal. Don't be half-hearted about it. Give it everything you've got. And if you have the gift of mercy, show compassion to others, Paul says, with a spirit of cheerfulness. Don't put a sad face on. Do it cheerfully and watch what God will do. Church, if we want to cultivate our gift, we've got to do it in a spirit of excellence. When I was in my undergraduate program, had a phenomenal professor. I think he was from Britain because he had this really cool accent. And I'll never forget, he grabbed one of my papers and he said, Josh, can I use this as an example? And I thought, oh, sure, please do. You know, I'm about to get some props in front of the whole class. And so he takes my paper and he holds it up and he says, class, this is a good paper, but Josh, you can do better. I was like, man. My friend looked at me to the right. He's like, you know, all he said was, ouch. I was like, I wasn't even bragging or anything. I'm the victim in this. But what he was saying was, Josh, don't ever settle for good when God's got something far better in store for you. But you see, there's a cost for going for excellence. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you want to cultivate your gift, do it with the spirit of excellence, and God will honor it. Think of the Genesis account, the creation account. Everything God ever made, the Bible says he made it good. He didn't make it fallen. He didn't make it broken. He said, I'm going to make it very good. Do it with the spirit of excellence. So we identify our gifts. We cultivate it. But the third point to effectively stewarding our gifts and to getting our gifts out of the box is this. We have to realize that our gift is not our identity. Church, this may be the greatest stumbling block for pastors. Your ministry is not your identity. Man or woman, your job is not your identity. If it is, when you lose your job, you're going to lose your identity. Our gift is not our identity. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ 
now lives in Josh Nangle. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we come to Christ, it's so beautiful. Our past identity goes by the wayside. Every mistake I've ever made is under the blood. All my past relationships or, or things that I, I thought would go this way that maybe didn't go the way I thought, it's all past. Everything that I've done in my life that I regret, it's under the blood. And Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things are becoming new. My identity is not in my gifts. It's not in my past. But when I'm a follower of Christ, my identity is found in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, when God sees you as a Christ follower, he sees perfection. He sees Christ. We don't define who we are. Did you know that? Church, that's a very out-of-the-box statement for our current culture. We don't define who we are. Our identity is defined by who God says we are. Think about it. Look at once Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Does that sound like I'm the one defining who I am? He said, wonderful are your works. Church, I have scriptural proof that Josh Nangle is wonderful. He says we're his works, and he just said, wonderful are your works. Do you know you're wonderful? And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed substance, get this, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them written. Church, our identity is in Christ. It's not in anything we do. It's not even in what we do for God. It's in who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. To have our identity in Christ means that we're crucified with Christ. Say, is that a good thing? It's a wonderful thing. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in and through me. That means for me that, Josh, your selfish ambitions, your greediness, all of that dies at the cross. And the will of God now comes to the forefront. He's riding shotgun, not me. Our selfish ambitions are replaced with the will of God for our life. Christ paid the price for our sins and he nailed them to the cross. We have been crucified with Christ. But we're also resurrected with Christ. Amen? The story doesn't stop at the cross. It comes out of the tomb. In Christ we overcome sin and death. I love what Paul says. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Jesus says, I will go and prepare a place for you. And if I come again and prepare a Come again to you, I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul says these momentary light afflictions produce for us an eternal weight of glory beyond any comparison. As challenging as this world is at times, and it's very difficult, it does not compare to what God has in store for us. Our identity is not found here. It's found in who we are in Christ 
In Christ, we know that this sin-plagued world is not even our home. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that's where our identity is found? God is so good. If we, want to, if we make our gift, or if we make our ministry a prior, priority over our relationship with God, then we've actually making our gift an idol. You see, church, the, the point is never about the gift or the ministry. The point is always to exalt Christ. But if we put the gift before Christ, we lose the very source of power for that gift. God is the source of our gift, not us. He's the all-powerful one, He's the all-knowing one, and He's the ever-present one. I love it. Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. But He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He's going to gift you, and He's going to be with you wherever you go, and He's the source of all power, He's the source of all wisdom, and He's the source of all understanding. That's a pretty sweet deal, church. Our gift is not our identity. Ministry is an overflow of our relationship with God, not a substitute for it. I love what James says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good gift comes from God and therefore its identity is found there. The goal is never to point towards a gift, but the goal is always to point people towards a Christ. Neil Anderson, a wonderful, just a wonderful guy, he, he writes a beautiful thought here. He says, after a class on spiritual gifts, a young man came up to his instructor and asked, is my gift prophecy or exhortation? Knowing him very well, the instructor was cheerful as he responded, I don't think either one is your gift. But if I have ever known someone who has the gift of helps, you're it. You're sensitive to the needs of other people, and you're always ready to help. A look of disappointment came over the boy's face. I knew it, he said. Struggling with a low self-image, he was pursuing what he wrongly perceived to be a greater gift. You will never be fulfilled trying to become something you're not or trying to be someone God has not called you to be. You see, God hasn't distributed gifts and talents equally. And for that reason alone, we can be assured that our sense of self-worth isn't to be based on what we do. Our sense of acceptance comes from our identity, which is found in Christ, and our growth in character. Show me someone who understands who he is as a child of God and whose character exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit, and I will show you somebody with a healthy self-image. Every child of God has the same identity in Christ, and they have an opportunity to grow. When our identity is firmly established, and when we have matured to the point where the fruit of the Spirit is evident, we will feel fulfilled, and we, we will use our gifts and our talents for the glory of God. God has known us from the foundation of the world. He has entrusted us with certain 
life endowments. And he will certainly lead us in a way that makes room for our gifts and our talents. Therefore, it is our responsibility to take advantage of every opportunity as it arrives. Tragically, many people go to the grave with their music still in them, never contributing to the symphony of God's work. They never realized their potential, nor took the risks that the faith required. They hang on to the security of the tree trunk, but the fruit is always on the end of the limb. So let our prayer be this. Lord, I don't want to go to the grave without having accomplished my purpose. Use my gifts and my talents to glorify you and edify others. I remember a story or reminded of an illustration. Uh, there's a pastor named Carl Lentz that he gave when he used to be here, a local pastor. He's now the Hillsong pastor in New York City. And he said, church, he said, I think one of the greatest tragedies is going to be on the day of judgment when we get to heaven and we're saved. We make it to heaven. We're in Christ. And of course, he's metaphorically speaking. He says, but I never want to get to the place where I get to heaven and God unrolls this scroll and he says, good job, Josh, or good job, Carl, you made it. But look what else I had planned for you had you remained faithful. Look what else I had planned for you if you had gotten your gifts out of the box and taken that leap of faith. You see, church, God is a special God, and he wants to do special things in our life, but it's going to require a spirit of excellence, and it's going to come with understanding that my identity is not wrapped in my gift. It's wrapped in who I am in Jesus Christ. Do you believe it, church? Emily, if you'll come. I want to conclude with the thought today. Give your gift away. Give your gift away. You see, church, the beauty of the body of Christ is each one of us, we have certain gifts. And the body of Christ becomes powerful when you bring your gift and I bring my gift and we start meeting a lot of needs. Church, there's somebody here today with the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of speaking truth into a situation. And I can assure you, there's somebody in your life right now who needs a word of truth. Give your gift away. There's somebody here with the gift of service. And you have the ability to demonstrate love by meeting somebody else's need. Give your gift away. There's somebody here with the gift of teaching. And you're able to clarify truth. And share the gospel in such a way that it reaches the hearts of people. If that's your gift, give it away. There's people here sitting this morning that have the gift of exhortation. And you're the person somebody calls when they're going through a hard time. You're the person they reach out to and they say, I need an encouraging word this morning. Josh, can you give it to me? I say, no, but I know somebody who can. I'm joking. But you have the gift of exhortation. Give it away. There's somebody here this morning with the gift of giving. And God has abundantly blessed your life. But that blessing's not just for you. There's somebody in your life right now that you know who needs something. Give your gift away. There's people here this morning with the gift of leadership. I think that one of the best definitions of leadership I ever heard was leadership is motivating somebody to go on a journey they would never go on if it wasn't for your help. It's influencing them to see more than they could ever see themselves. Like that professor did to me. He said, Josh, there's more here. Don't settle. If you have the gift of leadership, give your gift away. 
And there's people here this morning with the gift of mercy. You have an incredible ability to come alongside people and show compassion. Like Christ, when he saw the multitudes, he said, I have compassion for these people because they're like sheep without a shepherd. There's somebody in your life right now, and they need that gift. God has given each of us gifts according to the grace given to us. Therefore, let's give them away. You see, you have a role to play in the body of Christ. You have a function. You have a job. I think one of the reasons a lot of people don't attend church is they don't know what their role is. And a lot of times they'll make excuses. Well, I'm not going to church because I'm better than them people. You know, stuff like that. Folks, that might be true. The problem is when we stand before God, we're not going to be compared one with another. We're going to be compared next to the perfection of Christ. And if you can't meet that, I highly recommend you get a mediator. And his name's Jesus Christ. But I think the deeper reason why they don't attend church is because they don't know where their role is. They don't know what their gift is. They've never had somebody to help them cultivate it. And so they're just lashing out. But if you're here this morning, you've got a gift. You've got a role to play. Identify your gifts. Cultivate your gifts. And then give them away. Church, the gift is never about you and me. We may be the person God uses to share that gift. But there's a reason it's called a gift. It's for somebody in need of it. There's a story. My, uh, my grandfather's brother was a pastor in West Virginia. And they pastored a great church. And they had a lady in their church who had a growth on her. And it, I don't know if it was cancerous or something like that. And the pastor in the church said, hey, we're here for you. We're praying for you. Let us come alongside you and just bear this burden with you. And she said, no, 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 that's okay. That's all right. There's a faith healer coming to town, and I'm going to wait till he gets in town. And I'll let him pray for me, not you. Church, when you get your gift, when you get your eyes on the gift, and you get your eyes on people, instead of off of Christ, you lose the power for the gift. And God wants to move his gifts that he's given you. He wants to move those out of you and into other people. But we've got to realize Christ is the source and not us. He's the source. So will you stand with me this, this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? I love the Holy Spirit. He's a person. Our God, He's incredible. He exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, He's our comforter. He comes alongside and He comforts us and He teaches us the way to go. The Bible says He convicts us of sin. You say, is that a good thing? That's a wonderful thing. Because it means He's on your side. And the Holy Spirit's here this morning and He wants to say something to you. And I know for me, He says, Josh, what is the one person I've put in your sphere of influence that I want you to engage with your gift? Josh, there's somebody right now that I have strategically placed in your life and they need your gift I just need you to get out of the box and give it to them. Just actually believe me once for Josh that I'm able to do what I say I can do. Give your gift away and let me then take care of the rest. Church, Robert Morris says it this way. Our responsibility is to obey. God's responsibility is to do the supernatural. Moses raised a stick. God parted a sea. Our job is just to obey. 
He says, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your box, meet somebody where they're at, and give them your gift. And believe that I'll then take care of the rest. Do you believe that, church? Amen. Our God is so good. Extend out your hands with me. As an act of surrender. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the incarnate word, Jesus Christ himself, who is the greatest gift of all. Your word says that for you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Father, we thank you that you've called us to serve in partnership with you. You've called us to minister as your body with Christ as our head. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us boldness this morning. Give us courage to get out of our box, to take the lid off of what you can do in our life, and help us to give our gifts away. Put one person, Lord, on each and every one of our minds that this week we need to give our gift to. Lord, and hold us accountable. Motivate us. Give us the boldness we need to believe that you will do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything we can ever ask, think, or imagine. So, Father, we thank you. We give you praise this morning, and you'll get all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Say this with me, church. Say, I am gifted. I am called. This week, I will give my gift away. And watch what God will do. Do you believe it? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Grace River Church. You're a blessing. God bless you. Have a great week. Go give your gift away.